Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. What's going on, Julie? You know, we both have coffee, but I cannot wait for school to start and get back into the routine. Oh, this is uh, summertime is is tough with kids. You never know where they're going to be and what they're going to be doing. And I'm sure by the time this airs, everybody will be back into that routine and back into the swing of things, but definitely looking forward to that. Well, that's what we can hope for. Well, we've got a special guest today. It's Jonathan Beskin. is one of a special individual. He Jonathan has found out that he wasn't mental. He just needed to believe in himself and stop listening to the naysayers around him. He is a serial entrepreneur who has decided to feed his OCD and have multiple companies doing many different things. His businesses include, but are not limited to, Paradise Delivered, Molly Jacob, and Single Swag. He has cracked the code for a scalable business model on the internet. Of course, he loves to share his story and provide inspiration to others to get out of their own way and be the best that they can be. Thanks, Jonathan, for being on our show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. All right. I hope that was a good introduction. I, I could. I always have to make up my own. I can't read one off the stock because it doesn't sound like me. It was great. Yeah. I think you covered, uh, you covered pretty much everything. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. You know, we always like to try to figure out a little bit about our guests uh, because the people that are listening, again, it's, you know, it's not where you are today, but how did you get there? Where'd you come from? How'd you get here? And, uh, you know, I can't, I did some searching for you on the internet and I, you know, I can't find out where you're from. I'm going to guess El Paso, Texas. Is that, is that true? Close. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, Boca Raton, <laughs> Florida. You're from yeah, there originally. Yes. You never moved. Uh, no. So I was born in Oklahoma City, uh-huh. uh, Oklahoma, and uh, I moved to South Florida uh, when I was two. So my family kind of, uh, my dad was a metallurgical uh, engineer and kind of was working for a, a government defense contractor in Oklahoma and uh, then uh, pretty quickly moved. But I've been in South Florida pretty much my whole life. Gotcha. So you're local to Florida. All right. Well, you're just checking because you yeah. just never know where people are coming from. So that's good. Um, I feel like, you know, Boca Raton, you probably could have chose a better climate and a better, more tax favorable state. Is there a reason why you chose Florida? <laughs> I'm totally uh, messing with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I completely agree. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, if I if I hadn't had chosen Florida, which I didn't, my parents said I'd probably choose Florida now. So Isn't it crazy yeah. how they're just yeah. pro-business and pro-individual, you know, individual do your thing? It's, it's, a, it's a great environment, I think. Yeah, it was a great place to be uh, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, it still is. And uh, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the, the summers uh, aren't, uh, I would say, ideal from, uh, you know, particularly this summer has been incredibly warm. A lot of thunderstorms. I have a, a dog who's incredibly uh, scared of thunder and lightning. And every afternoon, uh, there's a lot of thunder and lightning this summer. So, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, overall, very, very and uh, Florida is a great place to be. 
It's funny. We uh, everybody in Ohio bought RVs and went to Florida during the the pandemic. And I was wondering if the people in Florida, if they got RVs and got the hell out of there. I don't know. Did you you stuck around or you got out of there? Uh, for the most part, I stuck around. I do actually. It's funny you mentioned that. I do know some families and even close uh, neighbors that that did uh, kind of follow that program. But really looking to. Uh, you know, as a way to, to get out of this area and just take a vacation, they, they, they just weren't uh, able to fly or weren't able to go, and they might have had bigger. So they did. I, I do know some people that did follow that program and left Florida uh, on an RV, but uh, they, they, they eventually came back. Yeah, that, that can't be good for uh, anybody's uh, situation to spend all that quality time in the closed quarters driving across the country with a bunch of idiots. That would be horrible. So God love them. You know, I, you know, I always like to try to research a little bit on clients or, you know, people that are, we have on the show are guests and, and, and from a, all the Google tracking that we found on you, it, it seems like you spend most of your time be going between Costco and the Royal Palm Yacht Club. Is that, is that true? No, no, Dang not it, true no. at all. Uh, <laughs> Disinformation is everywhere. Glenn did not get a degree in stalking, <laughs> although he'll claim one. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I would love to to spend more time at the Royal Palm uh, Yacht Club. Uh, I do go to a club often called the Boca Raton. It used to be called the Boca Beach Club. Uh, and I haven't been to a Costco or even a grocery store, to be honest, in like over five years. Wow. Do you have you know how to allocate your time appropriately? Yeah, well, I use a lot of uh, apps uh, for shopping and uh uh, yeah, so I, I pretty much just need to bring it, bring it in from the front door. So ultimately when you moved to Florida, obviously you weren't old enough to know anything. At what point in time did you, uh, decide that you were just going to be a little bit different that you might, uh, want to think about being an entrepreneur or did you have somebody that taught you about that? Or you saw somebody or you just were going through the, the basics because ultimately you ended up at Florida state and Florida Atlantic. Not sure why I didn't go to university of Florida but you came a banker of all things. I mean, how does one choose to be a banker? That that's a tough tough space. I, why would you want to do that? What influenced you to be that guy? Yeah, uh, a lot of questions there. Well, I guess I'll take the banking one first. Uh, it, it's not something I ever wanted to do, and uh, I think I built uh, kind of a, a smaller uh, a career with a with a little bit of a career trajectory in banking. Uh, but I was never happy doing that. I I always thought that it was kind of a uh, kind of a, a more of a tired, uh, boring, kind of stuck up uh, kind of space. And I wanted to do something different. I always thought I was capable of doing something different, but I have a, a lot of neuroticism, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, elevated baseline level of anxiety. And I think throughout my life that prevented me from really taking risks, uh, even though I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I never really thought that I had the, the skill set or the capabilities. Now I that I have. Uh, and uh, the reason why I didn't go to University of Florida is because at the time, now all these schools are incredibly challenging to get into. So you need a 4.0 plus uh, to get into University of Florida, Florida State, UCF, any of these. Uh, at the time, I, I was a really poor uh, high school student and I didn't have the grades to uh, uh, get into University of Florida. Florida State was a uh, a little bit easier uh, academically, uh, so uh, that, that that's kind of why I did that. But 
Uh, yeah, my entrepreneurial journey didn't start until I was a, a business school student at FAU, which is here in Boca. And uh, when I went into that program initially, I really was doing it to, to kind of uh, advance my career. And I was applying for different positions, whether it was in banking or outside of banking. And I was finding that people needed an advanced degree and they were looking for that. And I wasn't really getting the looks of the jobs I wanted. And I uh, thought that that could help. And I uh, enrolled in what they consider an executive program, which was designed for working professionals. And a lot of the curriculum in that program was based around uh, real business case studies. And we started to study some recurring revenue model businesses like uh, Netflix and Birchbox and uh, you know, did a lot of class discussion. And about halfway through that program, I decided that instead of focusing on furthering my career, I was going to keep my current job and uh, focus on what I could do to start a business, particularly a recurring revenue model business. And that's what I did. Do you was the the entrepreneurial thing you said that started when you were in college? Did it? How did that all of a sudden just trigger well, that? I mean, the thought of yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I always I always thought about it. I always uh, wanted to. I mean, I, I didn't grow up uh, with a. I grew up with a single mom, um, so so not a lot of money. Um, I don't have uh, any siblings. I don't have a big extended family of, of cousins. Uh, I really never had a network um, uh, of anyone who was a serious entrepreneur or even you know that high level professional or corporate professional. So. Uh, I really didn't have any role models or mentors, so I kind of like fell into banking. I studied finance at Florida State. I was hired at a recruiting event uh, at school, so I kind of just kind of fell in. I, I never really had a lot of uh, ambition or particular ambition towards a particular profession. So uh, uh, my, I always thought about doing more. I always wanted to make a lot more money. Um, I, uh, you know, was definitely afraid to take risks, but I think because of this kind of ingrained neuroticism and anxiety and kind of fear and a lot of fear in particular about what other people thought of me and like that if I started a business and it failed, which is, you know, most likely if you start, you know, something just from an idea from scratch uh, that, you know, people were going to judge me more and I felt like I'd been judged my whole life. So. Uh, that that that's essentially when it when something finally clicked for me and I took action was during that MBA program at FAU. Uh, before that, I had thought about it, but that's actually when I took uh, the initial action. Is uh, and then that was like in 2014, 2015. Yeah, because it's it's funny the you know an entrepreneurial journey. A lot of times it's you know, they'll either have a parent, a friend, a somebody that is hung their shingle and did, did their thing. And as an entrepreneur, they at least could see that happening and how that works. You really didn't get to see that. So to, to make that jump, again, if you said you had those, you know, those issues of, you know, the confidence and just unsure of those things, that is a huge jump to go from real job to being an entrepreneur. That's huge. So I'm just curious on what made you decide that that's what you had to do or that you wanted to do because that's that is not the easy choice but i also want to uh, you know go back to your in being a banker right is your skin just crawling every time you have to go to the office and every time you have to ha you know there had to be something inside of that job or career that just said this is not for me 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I would say there was definitely days where my skin was crawling and I always felt like I was capable of doing more and I never uh, got noticed. I mean, I worked for some pretty large companies with thousands of employees at different levels of middle management and nepotism and other uh, things of this nature. So I never really, uh, yeah, totally uh, felt comfortable. I kind of moved up in a few different jobs, but none of them, um, you know, my one of my first jobs in banking was as a uh, branch manager that actually got robbed at gunpoint, uh, which I talk about in my book. Uh, fortunately, no one was hurt. Uh, and uh, it was kind of a, a brief uh, event, but it, you know, it was uh, traumatic to an extent. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, uh, and when I first started, I kind of hedged myself a bit because for the first uh, two and a half years when I had this business, uh, I was able to keep a full-time job in banking and financial services uh, while I had the business, even at a point where after the first year, I was making more money from the business than I was from this corporate banking job. Uh, but I had a, a kid, I was a single dad. I really uh, felt like I didn't have the option and I uh, never could have imagined that the company uh, would continue to grow as quickly as it did. And that, uh, uh, you know, I would have the success with this particular business uh, that I did. Uh, first entrepreneurial venture. Uh, fortunately, uh, you know, a lot of things uh, uh, worked out well. The timing was good. I worked incredibly hard. I taught myself a lot of uh, things that, uh, you know, it, yeah, I, I made a lot of sacrifices. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I feel very fortunate that, that I continued on that path and didn't give up because particularly in those uh, early months and early years, when things didn't always go well, uh, I wanted to give up, and I was pretty close to it a few times. So, if you're, you know, double dipping, we like to call it because that's the fun part, right? As you're doing one job and doing something on the side, and it's becoming more and more profitable. Where, what, when you just said that you were thinking about giving up, why were you thinking about giving up when it was taking off and doing very well, or was this before that? Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it was probably when, when it, it started to really scale fast and there, there was, there was more money and I thought this could be really serious. I probably wasn't thinking about giving up then, but in the first maybe year, roughly, um, uh, there were a lot of people, you know, when I came up with this business idea, I'm really the first, uh, business that I, uh, that, that, that I had now I have a few other things, but was single swag. And this is the first and largest monthly subscription service designed for single women. And a lot of people, uh, you know, in my network, out of my network uh, that I was connected to, that I proactively wanted to be connected to, that had had some success in the space, uh, thought I was a joke. I uh, thought that I was a, a single straight guy that knows nothing about single women. Uh, you know, what am I gonna do? I need to get a, someone else involved. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to scale without raising money. Um, you don't have money, so how are you going to uh, scale this business? Uh, a lot of people, you know, thinking it was a, a joke, this type of thing. So I think that took a, a toll, uh, definitely, kind of people, um, you know, being overtly negative about the idea and about what I was doing. And I, I think uh, with any business in the early stages, I mean, uh, you know, ran into some uh, challenges. So had some challenges, you know, we, uh, you know, sign up the business kind of commerce is all e-commerce. 
So we uh, only operate on a website, we accept money on a website, but it involves some physical product. Uh, so we had some issues shipping physical product. We had some issues receiving some of the physical product to put in the boxes. And initially I was doing this all on my own. So I was not only uh, you know, facilitating the website, uh, acquiring the customers by learning different types of advertising, which eventually became the reason we scaled because that kind of became my area of expertise is social media advertising, particularly on Facebook and Instagram. But, uh, it, you know, there were some logistical challenges and, uh, you know, started to just uh, re require a lot of time and kind of became overwhelming. And I think it was also overwhelming to have a full-time job even though this is before COVID, I had a job that was kind of half remote and I kind of worked my way into that. It was a lot to, uh, to handle uh, everything. And I also had a, a young son who had, at the time was around five years old and had responsibilities around that. So uh, wasn't sleeping that much and uh, wasn't eating right. And, uh, you know, there, there, there were a number of reasons, uh, you know, that, that I wasn't being, uh, healthy. Uh, I was doing something very positive for my life in the long run, but in the short term, wasn't really living a healthy lifestyle. So with all of that negative self-talk that you had to work through, at that point in time in your journey, had you found a mentor or someone who could be your cheerleader who could help get you over that mountain? Uh, so uh, I, I would say um, not someone that I would classify as like a mentor that I was meeting with on a regular basis that I had the ability to bounce ideas off that. Now I have that. Now, fortunately, I've kind of established, I've joined um, a few organizations for business owners. I, I, I've cultivated a little bit more of that, that I do have people that are way more successful than I am that I can bounce ideas off of. But uh, so I have a, a cousin um, who lives on the West Coast that has had uh, some pretty serious success in business that I, uh, you know, wasn't even necessarily aware of, but uh, had some conversations uh, with and uh, became somewhat of a mentor. But it wasn't someone that I connected with on a daily basis that when I uh, felt like I was having an issue or something to overcome, I did. But um, I, I, I feel like uh you know it, it's kind of good and bad it's bad that i didn't have that support but even if i had that support uh you know what i found is that uh what mentors or what may work in one business uh may not work in another business so even if someone is super sophisticated has had incredible success has built uh, multiple companies uh their advice and their um uh you know kind of counsel or direction for your business may not apply. So I think, uh, you know, a lot, in my view, uh, needs to come from you and learning and figuring things out. So, you know, I think what you said something about five minutes ago that I'm sure all the listeners want to know, because somebody said that you didn't know, what do you know about uh, single women? So did you figure all that out? Uh, well, I, I definitely uh, wouldn't say I figured uh, single women out, <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely learned um, a lot uh, you know, we have a team um, who helps us put together our boxes. So we, uh, for Single Swag, it's a subscription service. So people sign up for the service. Every month we send them a box of full-size women's lifestyle products like fashion accessories, jewelry, cosmetics, uh, organic skincare products, snacks, books, uh, all that. And everyone gets the uh, same product. So people with different 
uh, ethnicities, people with different uh, sizes and, and, and all, all kinds. So we have to have items in the box that are going to have broad appeal. And it's very important uh, to kind of be mindful of that and be thoughtful about what goes in the boxes. So uh, I definitely learned more about products uh, that, that resonate best with uh, women and uh, what's what what of these items are going to have the, the broadest appeal. And um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot about consumer behavior in general. Um, I think a lot of it applies to women because that's really who we we're marketing to. But that comes with. Uh, a lot of the digital advertising uh, that that uh, I've been engaged in and uh, building audiences, which that uh, market has really changed. So uh, when I started this business in 2016 through 2020, uh, where we did incredibly well, uh, uh, you know, the digital advertising, particularly on Facebook and Instagram, did incredibly well, and the targeting worked very well. Uh, in early to mid 2021, with the rollout of the Apple uh, iOS privacy updates and uh, you know a few other variables, that performance has deteriorated and is uh, essentially um, you know re- really been a, a challenge to overcome for a lot of e-commerce businesses, particularly focused on uh, advertising and social media. But kind of went off track there. But in in, in general. Uh, I, I understand single women as it relates to this business and what's going to make them happy. Uh, myself, as an individual, I definitely do not uh, understand single women. That's why I think it's so funny because here you are, you're going to go be an entrepreneur, you know nothing about it, nobody's supporting you, and then you're going to like, what can I sell? Let's pick the hardest demographic. I don't even know what I want as a guy, and you're gonna go sell stuff to chicks. I mean, you couldn't have picked a harder thing, so hats off to you, because that is a really unique niche to get into, and to just be able to say, well, I'm gonna do it, and everybody's telling you no. Again, when you're an entrepreneur, you gotta do the hard stuff. If you do the hard stuff, everything else is easy, right? Um, And what you said earlier, too, I wanna go back to is, you know, the mentoring might not be just in the industry for your entrepreneurs listening. It's it's not necessarily to help you in your industry. It's just somebody that help you believe in yourself and, and give you a positive feedback, honest, that says, hey, to be successful, this is what you want to do. Whatever that idea is, you, you can do it. And you didn't have any of that. Like, not only you didn't have nothing in specific to your industry, but nobody was telling you positive things. So again, it's very rare that somebody goes and does this all on their own and is successful. Normally there's somebody that, you know, gives them a pat on the back, pulls them up, uh, you know, by gives them a hand and helps them up. So I, I, kudos to you for being able to do it on your own. That's it's hard out there by yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, fortunately moving forward, I do have somewhat of a, a network, but I agree with you, but I think uh, there, there definitely is value uh, for me at least, or potentially for others. And, uh, you know, doing it on your own and figuring things out and it really forces you into just an uncomfortable space that you have to deal with to, to kind of get there. And one thing I want to mention about uh, what you said about the idea for, for single women and focus on that. When I had the idea originally, I wanted to focus on men and women because I was really thinking about myself and my own uh, kind of thoughts on being single. And I had the idea when I was home uh, alone on a Friday night and I saw all these people and I had to be home with my son who was young at the time, uh, all these people going out on Facebook and partying and posting and, and living their best lives and, and you know doing all this. 
And I thought that single people, uh, you know, I hadn't been in a relationship in a while. I hadn't gotten a gift in a while. And I had this recurring revenue model box business uh, top of mind. So we've been studying it in my MBA program. And I had the idea for both men and women. And I did some market research, which I think is very important for aspiring entrepreneurs when they are starting a business to kind of figure out. And really the consumers for these boxes uh, were women uh, and the communities that were being built uh, on the platform. And really at that time, Instagram was really the, the platform that you needed to build a, a foundation on. And uh, so that's why I decided to focus just on women because after that research, I thought that was the place to start, then maybe eventually get into men uh, never ended up getting into uh, any male version of, of these companies, but uh, that, that that's kind of how that played out. Yeah, men would be pretty easy. It's just like a video game card, a pizza coupon, and a beer coupon, and, and we're good. Uh, there's there's not a lot, lot of yeah. sophistication there, which is crazy. <laughs> of course, Glenn and Glenn would say that, but I don't do the video gaming, but a lot of dudes do. I'm just saying that's what you know people dig that. So, I w one of my questions was your inspiration behind you know finding this business. So, thank you for answering that. But then to take it a step further, at what point did you decide you needed a team? You know, you're doing this; it's grueling. You're grinding it out. At what point did you have that aha moment of like it can't just be me? Yeah. Uh, so the the business. Uh, Pretty quickly, uh, within a year, started to become more serious. We went from spending uh, $20 a day on Facebook ads to uh, 50 to 100 to 500 to thousands a day on Facebook ads. And we were able to get a pretty predictable result and uh, scale the business that way. So uh, uh, I, at the time, I was really doing everything. So I was doing everything from uh, sourcing the product, to sourcing the materials, to running the Facebook ads, running the Google ads, uh, managing different aspects of the website, which initially I kind of built myself. Then eventually we had a more slick uh, website designer build a better product there. Uh, customer service. So, you know, within a couple months, we're shipping out 500 boxes. We're getting emails or direct message on social media. Where's my box? You know, how do I cancel things of this nature? So I'm really doing everything. And I uh, really, you know, became like addicted to it in a way. I, I became like <laughs> obsessed with it. And it, it was, uh, in, you know, a little bit the best way to describe it. I don't have a lot of experience with drugs, but but it, it, it's like a drug in a sense where we're just, you know, I, I had never had this exciting thing happen and, and it was very exciting and I didn't mind staying up till all hours of the night kind of doing stuff because it was just an exciting time. But eventually or pretty quickly, I realized that in order to get to the next level and focusing on more growth, I couldn't be doing things like answering customer service, simple emails like, you know, uh, when does my product ship or doing simple uh, kind of organic posts on social media or sending out every email to every potential product vendor. Uh, but, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, and this is still something I, I have a, kind of a weakness with is that I, uh, because of some things that happened in my childhood, my family, I inherently have major trust issues. And I, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, even when I f had some employees and someone didn't do something right, 
instead of uh, showing them how to do it, instead of kind of stepping in and, and being more of a mentor, I would just do it myself uh, because I knew that I was capable of, of doing the best. And uh, I think what I eventually realized, and, and the first kind of people that I hired, uh, uh, well, the first person I hired was my mother. And, um, uh, you know, who's, who's even more neurotic uh, than I am. Uh, and it wasn't uh, easy to kind of, you know, be in this, uh, you know, kind of dynamic with my mother every single day, but I knew I could trust her. And, and that was kind of a, an emotional hurdle to, to get over. I knew that her best interests uh, were going to be aligned. You know, her, she was always going to have my best interests in mind that, that she was, even if she didn't have a skill set, she was an elementary school teacher for 40 years and kind of retired early to come work with me and still works with me. And um, really, you know, was excited about it too, but didn't really have the right skill set that someone, you know, who had worked in social media that had experience with customer service. But uh, it, it was really a, a good way to to get you know something going initially and get some stuff off my plate. And uh, you know, she was able to learn and is a very uh, uh, you know smart person. Something that I realized pretty quickly is that, uh, you know, just using customer service as the example and using this kind of uh, control-free trust issues mentality that I have, in some ways I still have, uh, you know, I, need, I needed to realize that I couldn't monitor every customer service message and that the people that I hire to respond to these messages, as long as they're handling in a professional way, as long as they're getting the job done, they're not gonna answer uh, these messages in the same way that I would. Um, I would be much more thoughtful about answering every single message. I would do that, but it's not realistic for me to dedicate my time, uh, you know, at all to, to to things like that and to really build that a team. And I think that that was an important uh, uh, lesson for me to get over is that I, you know, if you want to get to scale in a business, you can't, uh, you know, be concerned with, with every little detail. And I guess in a way I prioritize what I had to be concerned with. So I couldn't be concerned with monitoring or responding to every customer service message or posting every time on social media, but I, it would be better for me to focus on uh, much more higher level strategic things. So how are we going to acquire more customers? Uh, where are we going to build the boxes from? Uh, how are we going to reduce our operating costs, uh, you know, from shipping and and, and fulfillment and uh, securing products? And we eventually moved to a model where uh, we worked with a lot of established brands who were shipping out over 50,000 boxes a month at our peak, working with established brands, but we started to create a lot of our own product and kind of had a suite of in-house brands that we were manufacturing the products and, and creating the brand assets. And that was saving a lot of money by making that pivot as opposed to buying from established brands, doing it ourselves. So I needed to free myself up to be able to make more decisions like that. And, and, and that, uh, you know, helped out a lot. And eventually we got to, uh, you know, a bigger team. Uh, we even tried to outsource, uh, you know, some of the customer service aspects overseas uh, that worked out for some time and then we kind of brought it back, but it's been an evolution and uh, still something that is challenging for me, but I'm working to become um, a, a better leader as opposed to just a very effective um, operator and kind of doer. 
So for our listeners, I think you hit the nail on the head because I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through that same thought process in regards to having to give up that control. What was your moment where you decided or what happened or transpired to make you kind of push you to that moment of saying, okay, I can't do it all. Okay, I have to prioritize. Okay, I can't do this. What what made you get to that point to get to where you are today? Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure I can pinpoint an exact moment, but I, I, I think I it, it just really became overwhelming. Uh, so I uh, was at a point where I literally described, and I talk about this in my book, like I had 20 jobs at the same time, plus a, a full-time job outside of this business, plus a uh, you know young uh, son that I had half the time. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it really uh, just kind of the, the business scaled uh, very quickly and, uh, you know, relative terms. And I uh, just just knew that that I needed help uh, to, to get to the next level. I think the, the most important thing and I'll kind of repeat it in a way just because I think it, it was really about prioritizing and figuring out where that 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 help was best and i think every business uh could be could be different but you know what what is that particular area of focus in the business that you know if you weren't involved on a daily basis and you know is that going to affect the growth of the business the operational health of the business the economic success of the business uh by uh you know giving up uh that 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 area and I really feel like I, I waited too long and I was always even, I've never really had, um, you know, a, a serious executive team. They're, they're my longest employee and the person that's been with us the longest is someone I went to that MBA program with and um, a really, really wonderful person. Her name is Jen. And other than Jen, I, I really haven't, uh, hired anyone. I've been approached by recruiting firms. I've talked to other people who have had similar businesses that eventually become somewhat of mentors. And they told me to hire some more executive talent or bring in some more operators who've done this. And I was always, uh, you know, and, and uh, afraid to do that. And I never really did. And now the business is not the same business as it was in 2020. And, you know, maybe just as a lesson for myself, if I would have been willing to bring in that 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 talent and if I would have been willing to hire more and not do so much myself and not want to spend the money to bring in these really talented, you know, people to get to the next level, the business could have achieved even more success. I could be even more successful at that point. Uh, so I think that's that that's an important lesson too. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, you know, I think it's possible. And I think we call that getting out of yes. your own way. Julie's reading all my thoughts today. That's <laughs> great. Well, we've we done this a while. You know, it's it's uh, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, the OCD is strong with us because we look at things through a different lens, right? Everything's an opportunity versus an obstacle, right? And, you know, if you have a real job, you probably got to take medication to, to stay in your lane. But when you go out as an entrepreneur, you get to be free and do whatever you want, right? But that also is a cost because you think that you have to do everything because it's really hard to give up control and trust like most people do. And at some point, no matter how good you are, you can't do it all. 
and 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 as anybody's listening to this this show right now, the the concept is is that I think I don't wouldn't call it a regret. I would just think that maybe it would be you know you'll still be where you were, but it would change the trajectory of things if you were to recognize that earlier that you've got to empower other people and just let them take that off your plate because your skill set is the vision, the mission, all those all those things that help define the company that you're leading versus doing the minutiae tasks, right? And and that's probably what you would probably say is your biggest regret, but not, not I can't say regret. It's like just regrets. The, yeah, just the biggest, man, I wish I'd have done that. That would probably have been a, a good choice, right? It's definitely up there. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like in my next uh, business, you know, what, what having this success uh, has really done for me, which uh, feels good, is that, you know, I no longer have, uh, neuroticism about not being able to do this. I feel confident that I can lose everything I have and do this again because I, I, I built a, a skill set. I have the confidence now. I, I, I think I can do it. So uh, I, 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 that, that's how kind of going through this whole process has changed me. And also, uh, you know, to, to your point, um, I would definitely do things differently. I would, uh, uh, you know, not uh, do everything myself. I, I, I would be more proactive about, you know, bringing in uh, qualified help, uh, even for my own health and, uh, 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 you know, things like that. Because really, I, I feel like if, if I would have continued to operate as I was operating those first couple of years, I mean, that, that, that would take, uh, you know, years or decades off my life, uh, getting, you know, two hours of sleep at night, not eating right. Um, it was a very exciting time with growing business, but, uh, you know, personally, I, I was just being incredibly uh, unhealthy. And that knowledge and experience is power. And once you figure that out, and that's the fun thing about, we always talk about the entrepreneurial journey. It's, it's not what it's not the result of all that hard work. It's who you become in the process, right? It's like, it's finding out, you know, your skill set, your strengths, building up the confidence, um, being the person that you're probably destined to be. And the only way you do that is you got to do hard things. You got to get be told no all the time. You got to be told you can't do it. And you're probably one of those guys that you develop your strength from everybody telling you couldn't do it to prove somebody wrong versus somebody saying, hey, you can do it. Which again, you still got there. You just got there in a different way. But for all the listeners, again, there's no right or wrong way. You just got to kind of deal with the cards you're dealt with, and and again, recognizing those opportunities as they come aboard. Yeah, I I, I totally uh, agree with what you're saying, and and I think it's kind of a blessing and a curse with kind of proving people wrong because I definitely uh, was motivated by that. I'm still motivated by that, and sometimes I'm too motivated by that. Sometimes. Regardless of how much success I, I, I've had and how much money I have or anything like that, it's never enough. And I'm so focused on still, you know, uh, seeing if, if these people that really are so insignificant at this point in my life are paying attention. And it's just not a healthy way to, to operate. And, and it doesn't allow you to sometimes live in the moment and just be happy with what you've done because uh, uh, you're so focused on still proving people wrong that that really treated you uh, poorly or doubted you or anything like that. So that's something that I'm working on personally is how, you know, as I get older and, and, and kind of figure things out and not working as hard, 
how can I live my life uh, without the kind of burden or weight of all these people that I think about so often or all these that are, like I said, essentially irrelevant, not impacting my life in a negative way. I mean, you, you, I've just met you, of course, but you look pretty relaxed. You look like you don't have a care in the world. So whatever you're doing, I would probably say keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm definitely good at, uh, at, at uh, portraying that or conveying that. I, I would say right now I really don't have that much to worry about. My son is at a uh, sleepaway camp in, in uh, rural Pennsylvania. I have uh, I uh, fished a few times this week on a, a boat I have here in South Florida. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely uh, am relaxed. I, I'm not working as hard as I was a few years ago. But uh, I, I'm definitely, I, I think um, when you, you know, deal with anxiety and depression and things like that, uh, which I have my whole life, it's not something that really goes away. And, um, you know, what I talk about in the book and, 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 and kind of what I've been able to do for myself is, you know, knowing that that stuff is not going to go away from me and knowing that it's always going to be there regardless of what I do or try to remedy it is how can I channel it in a way that's going to be positive for me? So how can I channel it in ways that are going to lead to more success or going to uh, help me out of my life? And uh, I'm not even always able to do that. Uh, good days and bad days, but uh, I, I, I feel like for myself and hopefully for others, I've been able to figure out a little bit of a formula uh, to, uh, you know, just take that energy and put it into something positive. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, a lot of times people spend their entire life trying to swim upstream, fighting the waves, sometimes just kind of ride it out and see what happens and enjoy the ride and uh, don't be so critical. And next thing you know, you're having the time of your life. So I, I think you've probably been able to, to do that. Um, Julie always has a, a good question at this point. In time. Well, I have a couple more questions. Oh, yes. What is your superpower? And I think you've probably alluded to it. Um, but could, could you define that for us? What do you think your superpower is? Oh. Yeah, I haven't been asked that uh, uh, at, at all recently. I'm actually, I, I feel fortunate to be to be asked that. I, I, I don't even know if I consider myself to uh, have a superpower. Uh, what I would say is, is what I feel is one of my biggest strengths is that I'm incredibly disciplined. Uh, so uh, before I had this business, I was a pretty serious uh, marathon runner uh, for about, um, uh, you know, four to five years. And I was pretty obsessed with that. Now I've gotten older, my body definitely can't handle that. I can barely uh, run a, a couple miles at this point, unfortunately, because it is something that's kind of therapeutic mentally for me. But uh, yeah, I uh, you know that involved all the discipline because I really needed to be on a very structured uh, training regimen, and I need to be structured about the way I ate, and I was doing yoga, and I uh, you know had to run a certain amount of miles, and I had to pay attention to my weight and. Uh, shoes I was wearing and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, for the business, uh, I'm also uh, very structured and, and, and disciplined. I, I feel like as I'm describing this, is like the most boring uh, superpower uh, of all time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I because I, I, I couldn't think of anything better, I, I do feel like that's uh, kind of the strength is that I'm able to uh, kind of focus on something. And when, when something... Uh, you know, when I have a goal to achieve, whether it's the marathon running or, or continuing the success, you know, I'm convinced that 
millions of people. And I think people did before I had this business could have had this idea. It was really, you know, it wasn't luck. It was the way I executed the, the way that I sacrificed, you know, not watching a lot of TV, not going out with friends, uh, you know, making these short term sacrifices by being disciplined that that kind of led to, uh, you know, really great long term success. And I would build on that. And I think it's all about your energy. And I think you've figured out how to take, and I don't want to say negative energy, but energy that's over, you know, on this side and really put it into something that's very constructive, something that you want to do, you can work towards instead of wallowing, you know, over here and saying, oh my gosh, I can't go run 13 miles. My body hurts. I need new shoes. Oh, I didn't eat right today. Or whatever the case may be, you have figured out how to take that energy and say, I'm going to run 13 miles and I don't care what my shoes are. And I'm going to, it doesn't matter that I eat McDonald's for lunch. I'm still going to do it. And so I think that energy goes with the discipline that you're describing. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with, with what you said. And, and I think that, uh, uh, yeah, I, I always have this, this constant, I feel like higher baseline level of anxiety. So I just know when I wake up in the morning, that's just part of uh, uh, what I need to kind of deal with. And I think immediately when I wake up or, you know, anything that I'm doing in my life, uh, it's really about channeling that energy, uh, you know, to something else. For me, when I was building my business, it was really about, you know, taking racing thoughts, taking, uh, you know, even catastrophizing and putting all that into thinking about a business from every single angle, thinking about what the competitors are doing, thinking about what I need to do next, thinking about what the competitors could be doing, thinking about what our customers might do next, what, what, what the industry, you know, uh, what, I mean, there's, you know, so many different facets. And, you know, when I'm thinking about, uh, this stuff that for me is positive for me, it's making a positive change in my life. I'm not thinking about all the people that did me wrong. I'm not thinking about that. I, you know, didn't grow up in a good situation that people treated me like crap. I'm not thinking about there's certain things about myself that I don't like, or, you know, I'm, I'm when I'm focused on these things that this kind of healthy obsession uh, I'm not thinking about all these negative things that are that are wrong with me, that if I didn't have something to focus on, that's all I'd be thinking about is all these negative things that are wrong. Well, I think that's that's the, you know, I'm going to add a little to your superpower. I think once you make the decision of what's something you're going to go do, you go do it. And, and a lot of people, it's hard to find that thing that they want to do or are going to do, so they just don't do anything. Your probably superpower is probably I'm going to go do this, and then you're manic about getting it done. And and that, my friend, is probably one of the keys to your success. Is that once you've identified it, you isolate it, you just go get it, and and that's an important superpower. And I guess I vi- I visualize, and I've been told this, so it's okay if it comes across because I've been told this. But I visualize like four bulldozers in your backyard. And your, your energy says, I'm going to go, I don't know, I'm going to go fishing. But there's all these obstacles in the way. You just bulldoze right through them to go fishing. And once you're there fishing, you're just in your element and you're doing what you do. And I I, yeah. I commend that strength because I sometimes live it. But um, so your energy and what you've been able to do and overcome, I, I think, speak, you know, greatly to your success and what you're doing and how you're handling yourself. 
Well, I tell you, that's it's been a pleasure having you. Wait, on. I have oh, one more. Oh, I have one more oh, question. Oh, sorry, but wait, there's more. You're gonna have to think a little, little bit more. <clears throat> what is your end game? So yeah, you you got good questions. Uh, so that that is something that I uh, think about quite a bit, and um, uh, you know, pro- probably too much actually. I I, I think that I it just it's just one of those things I feel like that doesn't allow me to, to live in the moment when I'm too focused on the future and, and, and what's going to be next. Uh, uh, I, I definitely don't think I'm done uh, working or being an entrepreneur at this point. I'm 42. I uh, feel like I have uh, multiple other uh, businesses uh, uh, left in me. My business now that we've been talking about, my primary businesses, the subscription box, uh, are not doing as well as they were in, uh, you know, 2020, uh, you know, we were top 200 and being 5,000. So I'm focused on, uh, uh, you know, uh, do, do, doing more. Uh, I'm, I wrote a book. I'm trying to cultivate a personal brand, do some speaking, um, really uh, use my story to help and in, in, inspire others. But now I feel like I'm rambling a bit. I, I feel like eventually my end game is to, uh, just be happy and figure out a way to, on a consistent basis, uh, regardless of, of money, success, or uh, anything that's going on, to, to just be more happy and, and be more uh, carefree and not be, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I described it as a blessing and a curse because it, in a lot of ways it is curse. this whole thing that motivated me to get to the next level and change my life was really proving people wrong. Even like my own father, like, like, like really deep seated stuff. And, and, um, you know, it still motivates me, but I, I, I wish it didn't now in some ways, now that I've had some success because it's, it, it, it's just very toxic to have to, uh, you know, deal with that on a, on a consistent basis and have to, you know, be, be so worried about, you know, being judged in, in, in so many different ways. So I think that's really the end game. I think that I'll, I'll know that, that, that that's really a game changer for me is when I can just be more of a carefree person um, on a consistent basis. And um, uh, uh, yeah. So. Well, I mean, your, <laughs> answer, your <laughs> answer is great because you just talked in circles, right? But I don't think there's an end game for you. I don't think that you can stop channeling and doing what you're doing in order to create your carefree freedom. I think your carefree freedom comes from what you're doing and how you're doing it. You, you're having too much fun. You en- you're enjoying yourself. You know too much now to just stop and be a fishing boat captain would be cool. But after about two weeks of that, you'd own your own fishing boat pull, fleet of boats or whatever right. they're you'd, called. You'd have a whole, yeah. You'd <laughs> fleet? Have, That's not it. You'd, yeah, it'd be a fleet of okay. boats. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't think it's ever going to stop because you've cracked the code. You know how to do this. You're good at it. You know how to leverage it. It's it's hard, but it's not hard in a way where you're doing everything. You just got to think it through. But other people, you've leverage to do that so you're probably just going to keep doing this forever because why would you stop and i think it's what makes you feel good yeah it gives you that that boat of confidence and that hey look at me in a positive very positive manner and again i'm not a shrink by no stretch of the imagination and don't take this for gospel but i think you're over all those things in all honesty because you're 
you're doing these things because you enjoy it and you're looking at all the opportunity, you're done proving it to anybody. You're, you're just doing it because you like to do it. So just take that as a grain of salt. That's my non-expert opinion. I did take one psych class, but... And he um, failed it, but well, that's I fine. I did. I had to retake it. Um, but I was kidding. I didn't even know. Well, oh. it's been a pleasure having you on. Do you have any uh, plugs you want to give for our listeners in case they want to buy some cool stuff? Yeah, but before I give a plug, I just have to say that that last uh, question, and, and, and really, I've, I've done a lot of these interviews recently, podcasts, particularly around uh, the, the book I've written, and there haven't been a lot of uh, situations or questions that really led me to learn something or led me to learn something about myself. And, and genuinely, uh, the, the, the last question that was asked and... Um, you know, uh, it is, is an eye opener for me that they're, you know, that, that I'm kind of, uh, living my game, uh, to an extent that if I can, uh, continue, you know, the path I've been on and channeling this energy that, 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 that's really it because I, I do kind of daydream about certain things, but, but this is really where I'm happy. So I appreciate that. Uh, so anyone that, that wants to connect with me, I'd be happy to connect. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at jbeskin. Um, I'm also on TikTok, uh, which really embarrasses my 14-year-old son. Uh, every time I do a post on there, he's like, uh, you know, go jump off a bridge. I mean, uh, so that's at Jonathan Beskin. And uh, I also have a website, uh, jonathanbeskin.com. By the way, it's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-B-E-S-K-I-N. Dot com And uh, my book, uh, which is going to be out at the end of August, is uh, The Least Likely Millionaire, How to Succeed When Everyone Expects You to Fail. Uh, so I'm excited about that, and I hope people uh, check that out as well. Well, awesome. you've been, you've been a, an amazing guest, and we've learned from you as much as, as you've learned from us. This is great stuff, and uh, you know, cool. again, can't wait to follow up with you in a year and see how even more relaxed you look. You'll probably be all tatted up or something. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, if you saw me without a shirt, you'd see a lot more tattoos. See, there you go. I knew uh, it. I knew it. <laughs> I'm waiting for the one on the face like the Tyson tattoo. No, I'm kidding. That it's Again, it life's too, it's too much fun. There's too much opportunity to sweat the small stuff, and I think you're making tremendous strides, and I think you're on, you're, you're on the downhills just enjoying life, so keep it going. I appreciate it. Thank you for right. having me. It was great to meet you both. Thanks, Jonathan. We'll see you, man. Take care. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.